Hello and welcome to Cumber Baptist Church Podcast. The following is taken from our evening service, Sunday 14th of April 2019. This evening we are joined by Pastor Clifford Morrison, who takes his reading from Matthew chapter 26 verses 57 to 68, and brings a message entitled, With Christ on the Calvary Road, a man with Christ on his hands. We're turning to another gospel reading in Luke chapter 23, please. Luke 23, beginning at verse 6 of Luke 23, and concluding at verse 25. When Pilate heard this, he asked whether the man was a Galilean. And when he learned that he belonged to Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him over to Herod, who was himself in Jerusalem at that time. When Herod saw Jesus, he was very glad, for he had long desired to see him, because he had heard about him, and he was hoping to see some sign done by him. So he questioned him at some length, but he made no answer. The chief priests and the scribes stood by vehemently accusing him, and Herod, with his soldiers, treated him with contempt and mocked him. Then arrayed him in splendid uh, clothing, He sent him back to Pilate, and Herod and Pilate became friends with each other that very day, for before this they had been at enmity with each other. Pilate then called together the chief priest and the rulers and the people and said to them, You brought me this man as one who was misleading the people, and after examining him before you, behold, I did not find this man guilty of any of your charges against him. Neither did Herod, for he sent him back to us, looking, nothing deserving death has been done by him. I will therefore punish and release him. But they all cried out together, away with this man, and release to us Barabbas, a man who had been thrown into prison for an insurrection, started in the city and for murder. Pilate addressed them once more, desiring to release Jesus, but they kept shouting, crucify him, crucify him. A third time, He said to them, Why? What evil has he done? I have found in him no guilt deserving death. I will therefore punish and release him. But they were urgent, demanding with loud cries that he should be crucified. And their voices prevailed. So Pilate decided that their demand should be granted. He released the man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder, for whom they asked. But he delivered Jesus over to their will. And we know that God will add his blessing to the reading of his word. Can you picture the scene? Can you imagine the atmosphere? What a moment when Christ stood on a balcony overlooking a great gathering of people from all the races of the world. There he is, the Lord Jesus, standing as the accused. Next to him was Pontius Pilate, and the crowds were to be the jury. The deafening roar of excited people suddenly faded to silence when the judge asked them for their verdict. What was their emphatic answer? Crucify him. Crucify him. And for many, that answer on that day determined their eternity. For the past three years, this man who stood before them had touched the lives of thousands 
who were living in the wake of his blessings which he lavished upon them. When he raised the dead, whole families had benefited. When he healed a leper, both families and communities were helped. After the occasion when 5,000 had listened to Christ for death, they went back home joyfully to share Christ's teaching. And the whole towns were uplifted. The conversion of the woman of Samaria brought the good news to an entire province. But in spite of all this, there was a growing hostility to the person of Jesus Christ. He had broken man-made rules of Jewish tradition. He claimed to be equal with God. He forgave people their sins. He was creating a large following which stirred up anger and jealousy amongst the religious leaders of the day. Eventually, of course, he was arrested and tried several times before being sentenced to death. And our readings this evening focused our attention on three individuals, Caiaphas, Pilate, and Herod. And in these three men, we have a tragic trio. Here are his accusers, those who long ago condemned Jesus, condemned him because of selfish motives. And I want to look at these three men who were involved in the death and crucifixion of the Lord Jesus. And in doing so, we may discover that we are in actual fact looking at ourselves. What type of people were they? When we had read for us this evening from Matthew 26, the focus was on Caiaphas. And Caiaphas was a man who wouldn't leave his religion. He was the distinguished high priest for the Jews. So it was before him that Jesus was brought very early after his arrest. False accusations were made about Jesus, who was then spat upon, beaten, and struck. And though Jesus was accused of blasphemy, the religious leaders were all aware that he had performed miracles and transformed many lives. All that Jesus said and all that Christ did continually proved that he was who he said he was, God manifest in the flesh, God coming in the flesh to earth. Why did they not believe him? Caiaphas sat in Moses' seat of honor. He knew and enjoyed religious ceremony and regalia. And he reveled in the quietness and in the mystic and tranquility of a pious atmosphere. And he's like so many people tonight. For some folk, religious music and religious symbols can combine to create a unique stillness of mind that is so appealing. But it's a form of falsehood that is dangerously deceitful. Caiaphas belonged to that category, and the thought of his religious world being upturned by the person and work of Jesus Christ was most disturbing, and more than a religious leader like himself was able to bear Notice what he says in Matthew 26, in verse 63, I charge you under oath by the living God 
Tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus replied, yes, it is as you say, but I say to all of you, in the future you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. And when Caiaphas heard that, he tore his clothes and accused Jesus of blasphemy. The religious hierarchy had already decided that Christ deserved death, so they began to spit on his face. They hit him. They mocked him. And when I look at Caiaphas, and when I listen to Caiaphas, I'm reminded that it's possible to have religion without reality. It's possible to have religion without substance. It's possible to have religion without a relationship. Possible to be religious and not have a relationship with God and be clothed in the perfect righteousness of His Son, Jesus Christ. And there are many tonight in our land who are like that. They have never experienced the grace of God in salvation. They're like those whom we thought about this morning. They want the Lord on their terms. They want Jesus Christ according to their measure of understanding. They do not want to repent and believe the gospel. They would rather adhere to a man-made religious system. And their attitude to Christ is seen in their response to his word and in their response to his work on the cross. When you read through the Gospels, you discover that the religious people of our Lord's day were often the subject of criticism from him. And in the end, it was not the drunkards or immoral or dishonest people who crucified Christ, but their religious leaders. They concluded that they were all right the way they were. It was the common folk who heard him gladly. They represent lost sinners who are misguided, misled, guided by the God of this world. They teach us how slow people are to accept the truth, to accept the truth about themselves, to accept the truth about God's way of salvation. The fact that you can never rely on yourself and your deeds alone to settle eternal matters. That there must be a time in your life where there comes a turnaround, there comes a realization that one must trust in Christ alone to be saved. That one must take serious the words of the Lord Jesus recorded in Matthew 18, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. And as we look at Caiaphas tonight, we see that this cardinal truth applies even to the most religious of individuals. We need to beware of a Christless religion. We need to beware of a bloodless gospel. We need to be mindful of the words of the Lord Jesus who told us that on that day of judgment there will be many who say, Lord, Lord, have we not professed in your name? Have we not cast out demons in your name? Have we not done many wonderful 
works in your name. But Christ will declare, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. We were reminded some weeks ago in our Bible study at our midweek of that great truth that Paul reminds Timothy of. In 1 Timothy 2 and 5, For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. One way, God said to get to heaven, Jesus is the only way. One way to reach those pearly mansions, Jesus is the only way. And again and again and again, we need to uplift the Lord Jesus. And we need to rehearse his words in the hearing of men and women and young people and boys and girls. The very words of Christ himself when he said, No man can come unto the Father except through me. There are many ways to the Son. There are many roads that bring us to Christ. There is the road of the goodness of God. The goodness of God leads to repentance. There is the road of grief and pain and sorrow. There's the road of death, where the reality of eternity is brought to bear upon our minds. And these are many roads that can bring us to understand our need of a Savior. But there is only one Savior who can bring us to God, and that is the Savior who is God incarnate, the Son of God. Caiaphas continued to be what he was, a religious man without God and without Christ. He wouldn't leave his religion. When you come to Pilate, you come to a man who wouldn't leave his neutrality. He wouldn't leave his neutrality. We talk in the political world. We talk sometimes in the sporting world. And even maybe in the religious world of people sitting on the fence. Pilate is a classic example of just that. The Jewish religious leaders were not legally allowed to sentence Christ to death. And so they passed him on to Pilate who could. The Roman governor they hoped would try Jesus and have him put to death. Pilate knew that Jesus was innocent but he refused to leave his place of neutrality. Politics were at work here. Now, Pilate had been the governor of the province since A.D. 26. He was in charge of the occupying army and of the tax system and had power to appoint the high priest. He also was authorized to sentence any subject to death. And as governor of restless Judea, Pilate had already known trouble. He had set up images of the empire in Jerusalem, the holy city of the Jews, which caused great animosity. And this resulted in a, a confrontation which led to a large number of Jews losing their lives. As a weak man, Pilate was now desperate to pacify the Jews. He wanted to appear to be their friend, and he was willing to keep the peace at any cost, even if it meant going against his own principles of justice. We read clearly tonight in Pilate's view, Christ was not guilty of any crime. Twice he cross-examined the Lord Jesus and finally he turned to the crowd and he asked, what evil has he done? 
Pilate's wife even sent a message to her husband, said, Do not have anything to do with this just man, with this innocent man, for I have suffered a great deal today in a dream because of him. And anxious to wriggle out of a troublesome dilemma, Pilate used a custom of the day, namely to release a prisoner at that time of feasting. So he asked the crowd to choose for him. Should he release a notable rioter and murderer named Barabbas or Jesus, the miracle worker? And when the mob swayed by the self-serving religious leaders, they chose freedom for Barabbas. Pilate both literally and figuratively washed his hands of all that was to happen. And I sometimes wonder, did Pilate really believe that his action would free him of his responsibility? Did he think that in handing Jesus over to the crowd who decided he was to die would excuse him in his part in the trial and in the sentence? If he did, then he was miserably wrong. The world has decided differently. Every minute somewhere in the world, a congregation repeats the words of the creed saying, he suffered under Pontius Pilate. This spineless weakling tried to juggle to please the crowd, the religious authorities, his wife, the citizens of Rome, and his own twisted conscience. He should have listened more attentively to Christ who made it clear that it's impossible to please both God and man and people who hope only to please others will never please God. Pressure from the crowd, the fear of man can forfeit a person's relationship with God. It can forfeit a person's fellowship with God. It can forfeit a person's friendship with God. You see, the Bible does not allow us to sit on the fence tonight. Jesus says, you're either for me or you're against me. There's no middle ground. You can't be neutral. History tells us that Pilate lost the favor of Rome. And then in his days as a demented outcast, even if he had succeeded in his career and won the approval of the Jews, it would have been of little value because God was his enemy in that he had rejected his son, Jesus Christ. Can you not see tonight that one of the saddest faces peering out of the Gospels is that of this privileged politician, Pontius Pilate, the governor of Judea, But privileges could not help him on this occasion. He was caught in the horns of a great dilemma. Here was a man acquainted with the claims of Christ, and he was impressed. Here was a man who had investigated the character of Christ and found nothing amiss. He was confronted with the crimes that opposed Christ and was fearful of displeasing them. And for this reason, he asked the greatest question, what shall I do then with Jesus, who is called the Christ? A pilot in the cockpit of a jumbo jet carries a weighty responsibility, for he has the lives of all his passengers on his hands. A judge 
at the bench carries great responsibility as he presides over a case and makes judgment that can put a person in prison for many years. He has the life of a man in his hands. A surgeon in an operating theater skillfully and carefully uses a scalpel as he does surgery on the body of a patient. He has a sick man on his hands. And while all these carry awesome responsibilities, none come near to the responsibility that confronted this politician, Pontius Pilate, on this day. He had the God-man, Jesus Christ, on his hands when he grappled with this question, what shall I do there with Jesus, who is called the Christ? And with all this is happening, we see the dreadful decision that he made. We see the values that controlled him. Pilate thought more of his public image, his personal pride, his lucrative position than of the Savior. Pilate was a man who was controlled by greed and had no value for grace. What he considered to be privileges became obstacles to him. But not only do we see the values that controlled him, we see that he made a wrong decision in spite of the voices that confronted him. He heard a good confession from Jesus Christ. Jesus told him who he was. He listened to the concerns of his wife. But in spite of it all, he quenched his accusing conscience. And notice the verdict that condemned him. Pilate gave the sentence to appease the crowd and Jesus Christ was crucified. And he did something that maybe he thought he was very clever in doing. He did something that many are trying to do every day. He tried to wash his hands of all responsibility. I'm washing my hands of all this. Very common saying, isn't it? It can be said in industry, it can be said in the world of politics. But here it's said within the context of our own spiritual destiny. You see, this is something that no man or woman can do. You can't wash your hands of Jesus. Jesus says, you're either for me or you're against me. That means you're either in Christ, related through grace to God because of the work of Christ or you're out of Christ lost, perishing on a broad road that leads to destruction Caiaphas wouldn't leave his religion Pilate wouldn't leave his neutrality he was saying what some clever, so called clever 21st century folk will say I'm not involved in that I'm not into that sort of thing. But they are. Because they belong to those who reject Jesus Christ. But there's a third person. If Caiaphas refused to leave his religion, and Pilate refused to leave his neutrality, Herod wouldn't leave his sin. You see, it would have been surprising if there had been a fair trial with Herod involved. This man had already proved 
his preference for sin rather than truth. You may not know, but he came from a family renowned for evil. His father was Herod the Great, and he ordered the death of all baby boys under the age of two in Bethlehem at the time of Jesus' birth in hope of destroying this baby called Jesus who was born to be king of the Jews. Herod himself, because John the Baptist had spoken to him about his sinful association, followed the whim of his ill-gotten wife and had John executed. He wanted to silence the voice of John, and in doing so, he thought he would silence the voice of God. But the stories of Jesus, of who he was and what he had done and what he was doing and what he was saying, had now reached Herod's ears. Herod heard about the blind seeing, the deaf hearing, the lame walking, the dumb speaking, the leper being cleansed and the dead being raised. And Herod began to wonder. Had John the Baptist come back to life? And suddenly the news came to Herod that Pilate had sent Jesus, this miracle worker, to him. And Herod was delighted, for now he could find out much more about this man. And Luke tells us that Herod questioned Jesus with many words. But Jesus answered him nothing. Here is a very sad, a very sobering, a very serious scene. God's voice was silent. God had spoken to this man through his servant John the Baptist, and he had nothing more to say. And Herod's emotions changed from one of eager excitement to absolute anger and rage. And losing his self-control and patience, Herod treated Jesus with contempt and mocked him before sending him back to Pilate. Here was a man who loved his sin more than Christ. He loved his sin enough to say no to Jesus and to give no attention to the voice of God through John the Baptist And he discovered that the result was that God was silent and had nothing more to say to him. I'm so thankful that God speaks to men and women and boys and girls. He speaks through his word. He speaks and listening to his voice, new life the dead receive. The mournful, broken heart rejoice, the humble, poor believe. But it's a very serious thing. When God no longer speaks. You know, as I come to a close tonight, when you put all these things together, it seems that all of humanity was represented on that tragic day when Jesus was wrongly accused. Caiaphas was a Jew. Pilate was a Roman. Herod was an Edomite. And the crowds were both Jew and Gentile. What about you? What about me? What is our verdict? Imagine standing in the midst of all that's going on, described here by the gospel writers, with the question being put to you, what shall you do with Jesus, who is called the Christ? You're part of the jury, but this time your future is at stake. Sometimes on a television program, 
the person in charge of the program will say, now we'll ask the audience for their verdict. God, by his Spirit, asks you tonight for your verdict. What shall you do then with Jesus, who is called the Christ? Will you be like Caiaphas and not leave your religion? Will you be like Pilate and have what you consider to be a safe road, the road called neutrality, but it's a very dangerous road? Will you be like Herod and refuse to leave your sin? Thank God tonight that Jesus Christ is able to receive all who come unto him. He is the one who has borne our sin in his body on the tree. And he is the one who provides life and death and light and everlasting joy. The crowd said, take him and crucify him. Tonight, are you going to crucify him? Are you going to cry to him? The old hymn comes to mind. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Sometimes it causes me to tremble. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Oh, tonight, I trust and pray that we have seen that in the cross there is life and life and everlasting joy and eternal hope and eternal peace. May God bless his word to all our hearts and may we seek tonight to apply his word according to the measure of our need. We thank God for it in our Savior's name. We're going to